Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed is the weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places a dive, and scuba in the news. Scuba Obsessed episode 85 is recorded live October 13th, 2011. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. This week in the news, we have a few different articles. Scuba diver left to die off Florida coast. Putin scuba stunt. A plunge from the Chesapeake Energy and Firm says it's found a, a, a boat filled with silver. Wouldn't we all love to have that? And this week, we have a couple guests with us. The first one fresh from diving in the Cooper River was Dave Tonneman. Have I pronounced your last name right, Dave? You got it right. Cool. Uh, how, how are you doing today? Oh, I can't complain. Loving it. And someone else who's also a guest on the show, we have Tara Sutherland, the dive mistress all the way down from New Zealand. How are you doing? I'm really well. Thanks very much, Darren. How are you doing? Doing great. Now, is that, uh, is that down or up? or uh, How do you guys see it down there? Uh, no, there? we're definitely referred to as down under. But, down under? Um, yeah, yeah. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll get started as we always do right on into the news. We have a few articles and then we'll get to talking about uh, last week's dives. The first one, and we're not going to go in this first article all the way. I normally don't like to talk about some of the negative things in the industry. But this one, I just thought, I think we caught a little bit of a fact error. They have an accused killer who, uh, he's, he's requesting his uh, dive card back. And uh, along with many other things, uh, it, it sounds like he's been sent to death, so he is not going to be getting out. But what I thought was interesting, little the little tidbit, was they said that his scuba diver's card needed to be renewed. And uh, I'm not aware of a dive card needing to be renewed. Are you, Dave or Tara? Not at all. Not at all. Um, at least he wants to change his photograph. <laughs> I couldn't think of why, why they would say it would need to be renewed. You know, maybe it's his address. You know, it didn't say the state pen or anything. So, we're county no, jail. Uh, he's 33, so he won't be transferring from a junior diver. Um, no, I can't think, and I can't think of any training agency yeah. that would um, want you to update it either. Yeah. So I, I just kind of thought that one. I was ready to reject the whole article, and then that popped up. So I just had to mention it. Some case where somebody didn't do some fact checking. The mm, next one. Interesting. He's a char- He's charged with um, this crime, but he wants some of his stuff back. It's a bit cheeky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think that might be a little bit for attention, and maybe he's just a little bit out of reality, but would not be surprising for somebody <laughs> who uh, <laughs> did what he did. Let's it's say. also California. <laughs> California. <laughs> Okay, the next one is scuba divers left to die off the Florida coast. And uh, uh, the U.S. Coast Guard is investigating how a Florida tourism company could leave behind two tourists while they're scuba diving in shark-infested waters. Paul Klein and Fernando Garcia Puerta were rescued by private yacht just before sunset after clinging to a fishing buoy for over two hours. We could see two divers with all their equipment on and inflated red tube, the yacht captain uh, told the Miami Herald, the tube is commonly used in diving to single with one person has come out of the water, so I assume they're talking about their safety sausage. You could notice a strong feeling of relief. They had been clinging to the buoy for two hours, hoping somebody would rescue them. 
It was uh, the Trinket was an 82 foot Sunseeker yacht, which was headed back to Miami from Key Largo when they spotted the divers. Uh, they were diving with RJ Diving Ventures of Miami Beach, both bait operator. Took about a group of 30 people, including Klein and Garcia, to open water about three miles off Key Biscayne on Sunday. Uh, when they surfaced, the boat was gone. Klein 44 says, uh, we were in shock. We could have easily died. Klein is a certified deep sea diver visiting from Austin, Texas. Puerta, a tourist from Spain, had never met before but came close during the ordeal. They paid $85 for the four-hour round trip, which I hope they got a refund on. And uh, they were on their second dive when the boat picked them up. Uh, the pair claims have been underwater for 55 minutes. Um, they, at first, they thought that maybe the boat had to run in a medical emergency, but when it never returned, they realized they had been forgotten. Uh, they said it reminded them of the 2003 movie, Open Water, and as they said, it didn't end very well. <laughs> it, it, it um, never... I thought this was quite interesting because, well, first of all, not only is the title of the article seriously melodramatic, scuba divers left to die, um, but I've actually dived with South Beach divers. When I uh, was in the States in, in 2008, um, we were recommended them um, mm-hmm. and went down to the Keys and, and um, went out. Uh, I'm not too sure who the, the charter operator was, but from my experience, and I went, I went back and checked my logbook when I'd um, seen this article, South Beach Divers, I was really, really impressed with. Mm-hmm. Just, that, that, well, it sounds like my, it's a contract boat. Yeah, yeah, it does. Is that normal? Uh, you know, I think it is for American operators that they don't always own all the boats and that they charter. Mm. Uh, you know, I think maybe some of the bigger operations, uh, I think the liveaboards don't, you know, might all be part of the same chain. But uh, uh, as far as a boat, I know most of the dive shops around here don't have their own boats. So if you if you choose to go with a, a dive shop in the Great Lakes, uh, they'll frequently either recommend a boat or they'll put the trip on, but then they use a boat. Uh, many times, though, when a dive shop does it, the dive master on the boat will be from the dive shop. So I'm not sure how uh, this organization does it, the RJ Diving Ventures. But uh, they, the dive company did say that they take responsibility, but that the uh, boat operator he contracted to took the divers out, not his company, which he says is an excellent safety record. But, you know, it only takes one. I mean, you could be the best operator in the world. You leave one or two divers out there, uh, it doesn't speak very highly. No, it doesn't. Um, and what are the the checking techniques like in in um, the US? For example, here. So the boat that I'm going out on this weekend is a charter. It's chartered by my dive club, and there will be twelve of us divers. They have a, a dedicated dive master who is standing on the deck when everybody surfaces and gets back on board. But we don't leave the site until there is a depth and a time. Um, and a tank marked for everybody. So everyone's tank's got a tag on it, and the tags have got to go off the wall um, and onto the to the tanks before we leave. So it, is it similar where you guys are? No, actually, uh, all I've heard of is the doing the checklist. I've always wondered about the tank. I like that tank idea. It kind of reminds me how the coal miners do it. When they go in the mine, they take their tag off the board, and you know if they don't come back in, they check in. Uh, we had actually yeah. asked uh, Claire, the dive bunny, how they did it there, and they said they had tried that in Egypt. But the problem was is that people are, you know, the, the divers you've got on, uh, if they forget to take the tag off the board or they just decide to jump over the side, 
it can be a little bit of a challenge. So they, they personally check everyone in. But I kind of like the double system. I mean, the worst case is, yeah, if somebody doesn't take the tag, you don't use that as the only means. But uh, some sort of you know backup means would make sense for checking people in. Well, that's you know, right. That's right. Sorry. Go ahead, Tara. Tara. Go oh, ahead, Tara. Right. <laughs> <laughs> See, you would caught Dave. Half the podcast is going to be you guys trying to get my name right. <laughs> um, the the double system just sounds like a good idea to me because and and what dive master or what operator wouldn't do a double check anyway? Yeah, yeah. That's that's the point I was getting ready to make. Every charter I've ever been on, before we pull anchor, before we leave the site, the last thing they do is a physical head count. Even though they've already gone through the clipboard and they've marked everyone that's come back on board, every operator I've ever been with has actually counted heads as a final check before we pull up. Yeah, I'm a little fortunate. The boats that we're diving on, uh, uh, you know, they're 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 fairly small and they're owned by dive club members. So if you get left behind, it's usually intentional. <laughs> Oh yeah, you, you don't want to you don't want to cross the dive captain. Yeah, because because yeah. I mean even if you get a refund of zero dollars, you know that doesn't do you much good. Are those the same dives that start with you know maybe you ought to wear an extra thirty pounds today? <laughs> yeah, here here, <laughs> take take this down for me. Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay, but yeah, this is uh, and I'm surprised every time I see this that it happens. There's no excuse. No, no. So, and that's another thing is if you're, and, and it's hard. I mean, this, this boat, how many did they say they had on it? Uh, 30. 30. I mean, 30 is a lot. You know, if I, you know, if, if I'm on a boat and there's 10, you know, I'm going to notice, you know, as, as not even as the, the boat captain or a dive master, as just a passenger, I'm going to go, Hey, <laughs> you know, that couple that, that came in, uh, where are they? You might raise a hand, but in 30, it's, it'd be easy for somebody not to notice who that was not their responsibility. Okay, and then that leads us into a revisit of Putin. This is about the third time we brought him up on. But as we figured, they determined that it was a stunt. And actually, they're playing it down. They're saying, (laughs) of course it was a stunt. What did you think it was? That was just too good to be true. (laughs) After they'd published articles saying, no, seriously, seriously, he was swimming over them and four meters of water and they just appeared in front of them. Of course they appeared when someone put them there. Yeah. Yeah. The retirees retirees from Pravda needed something to do. Yeah. It says, of course they were found in the course of the expeditions several weeks or days earlier. They were left there or placed there. That's completely normal. There's no reason to gloat about this or everything else. (laughs) Well, he he got what he needed. He got elected, if you want to say they had an election. Uh, The way it looks, he's going to be in power until 2024. So without getting into any politics. uh, uh, Darren, have you read the comments? Some of the comments at the at the bottom of that story, they're even funnier than the article, than, you know. Um, uh, one of them that I quite liked, though, was my favourite, was when he fooled a whole lot of people into believing he'd landed a jet on an aircraft carrier. Oh, wait, that was Bush. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, boy. <laughs> Quite funny. Yeah, no, I, I I haven't gone through the article, the the comments, but uh, yeah, a plenty of fodder for for that one. There might then, even be a couple of jokes in there. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to think of some. I'm sure other people probably have. Uh, maybe I need to do a look for Putin jokes next time. <laughs> Something about where 
Putin goes for a dive and actually Putin's in the armors to find. Oh, dear, that's sad. <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> the next one is uh, Divers Alert Network Diving uh, Fatalities Workshop is now online. Uh, last April, Dan uh, added some online training and... Uh, uh, the two-and-a-half-day program features international panel of authorities on dive medicine training and accidental prevention. Uh, diving enthusiast professional, uh, professionals interested in exploring the cases of diving fatalities can now download the proceedings from the 2010 Diving Fatalities Workshop. So not exactly the most positive thing, but uh, as, as Dave and I were talking about uh, on our ride back from Cooper River, you know, there's a lot to be learned from uh, these fatalities. So if you're a Dan member... Uh, I would definitely go over and take a look at them. I just sent you a link uh, from the, uh, oh, what is the name? Alert Diver Online. I was reading uh, a couple days ago, actually. I thought it was interesting. They identified five significant root causes. Number one being some sort of pre-existing disease pathology in the diver. I thought that was pretty interesting. So natural mm -hmm. causes that would have occurred anyway. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of always been the thing, because how many times do we have, uh, you read in the paper, somebody died, and uh, they just say, yeah, heart failure. So the event that a diver died is always a big, a big deal, but, uh, the cause is if it's just natural tends not to be followed up on. So Dan, an excellent organization. If you're not a Dan member, why aren't you? They're not a sponsor. It, it's, a, it's a great article, <laughs> great article to read. It is. And then, uh, this, this next one is taking the plunge at Chesapeake energy. And, uh, I would love for my work to have offered some sort of incentive to become a scuba diver. The, uh, one of the perks that Chesapeake Energy is doing, and they're known for their perks, where they have two basketball courts, three racquetball courts, an outdoor athletic field, climbing wall, tanning bed, an Olympic-sized pool. Employees and their families now get a 50% discount on scuba classes, which is normally $400, which includes 10 hours each of classroom study in the pool experience on nights or weekends, as well as open water dive at a nearby lake. Uh, the company is also organizing social outings and excursions to train divers, but the trip to Cozumel and Mexico is an out-of-pocket expense. So Nice. Ex excellent, excellent. So uh, uh, Forbes magazine uh, ranked them the 32 best place out of 100 to work, and that's in Oklahoma City. So, yeah, I've, I've never worked at a place that would give you an incentive for to learn the scuba diving. No, I work in a shop, and I have to pay for my classes. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that that's incredible. That's awesome. Uh, I wish more uh, more companies would do that. Yeah, but we need to get it started as, as part of the the normal benefits package, 401k and uh, dive training. Air nitrox, pick one. Yeah. In this one, we have we talked about a few weeks ago uh, the dive heart program and how uh, for paraplegic and quadriplegic. Uh, diving was was therapeutic patty and the duke university are exploring the benefits of scuba diving for breast cancer survivors uh the project is dubbed project pink tank uh, the initial research will begin with a survey of select patty uh, database uh, undersea journal subscribers and a patty social network it will be distributed to 785,000 scuba divers this October in conjunction with Breast Cancer Awareness Month. The survey will be compiled and analyzed by researchers to assess the activity levels and health of divers who have been diagnosed with breast cancer. The results are expected to be published by the Duke University in May of 2012 in a peer-reviewed publication and presented at its 2013 Consensus Conference for Medical Professionals. 
they say scuba diving is a life-changing activity that everyone should experience. Patty is pleased to support the unique study effort to help breast cancer survivors enjoy the thrills and benefits of diving. We hope the results from the survey will provide further insight to medical research to uncover positive links that scuba diving will empower more breast cancer su- survivors to dive into the adventure. Our goal is to help cancer survivors understand they should not feel inhibited after treatment because of the possibility for them to take partake in all forms of activities. We are grateful to partner with Patty in such a significant study that will open new doors for survivors. The knowledge we gain from this survey will be beneficial in creating a platform for future research. Dive Medicine Consensus Conference that will help spread this message to cancer survivors community. I just think this is, I, I think it's fantastic. The Aside from the information that they will learn, um, you know, when they refer to what they're, they're looking at in their study, building people's confidence is one of the, the um, biggest rewards that I get from instructing. Um, and I've, I've taught uh, a woman with multiple sclerosis um, and have then gone on to talk to a few people with MS and explain to them what they're actually able to do with diving. And they've gotten into it and it's built their confidence and, and given them a new, I don't want to sound, you know, full of myself or anything, but diving's given them a new lease on life as well. They've, they've realised that there's still a lot more that they can do and then I've also seen recently, just in the last week or two, that there are studies being done on people who have spinal cord injuries and what the benefits of diving, effectively weightlessness, is for their rehabilitation as well. And I just think that's so cool that the sport that we love, the hobby that we love, it helps people in so many different ways. It just makes me smile. I think it's amazing. And, and <clears throat> to partner with um, Patty and, and, and look at what they can do for people who have breast cancer or have had it is, is just another thing that makes me happy. And, and it's such a perk. I mean, even if all these things weren't beneficial, we would still be doing it. But then to have these side benefits is, is amazing. Yeah. I see this is, this is very parallel to Suds and uh, Dive Heart. Just yes. taking someone with, with issues and showing them self-confidence through through this phenomenal sport. Awesome. And if people want to try the survey, they can visit the website pinktank.org. And it's available there. The, the survey will remain open until January 31st, 2012. So uh, go ahead and head out there and click on the site and you can fill, complete the survey. Nice. I think that's neat. Um, you know, the, the other key thing that I think is important is that although we can get people interested in diving and we can teach them and we can take them, their confidence is really built by the fact that I can't perform their skills for them. I can't perform their ascent and their descent for them. They do it themselves. So we give them the tools, we enable them, and then they're actually the ones that get it done. And it's, yeah, makes me really happy. That is great. Hmm. And this next one, and this next one is uh, we're going to skip the one since I, I I had already covered it a few weeks ago, the uh, silver. Some of these I can't remember if I've done before. There's a couple wrecks on silver that they've done, just kind of silver crazy. I think uh, you just want to find one yourself. <laughs> oh yeah, I I would love to definitely. You know, Mac is uh, constantly out there treasure hunting. So, uh, but this last one we have, and we'll finish out the news is. Kraken Sea Monster accounts for bizarre and miraculous. Uh, the 
curious arrangement of giant bones in a prehistoric ocean graveyard has caused one paleontologist to propose the existence of a giant squid-life kraken that preyed on bus-sized sea monsters. Other scientists, though, say the fossil can easily be explained without resorting to theories based on kraken mythology, sea monsters perhaps based on century-old sightings of giant squid or octopus. The fossils in question are about 350 miles or 560 kilometers northwest of Las Vegas. Uh, Seafloor at the time, the bones were deposited some 200 million years ago. The fossils are circular vertebrae discs or backbones that once belonged to a uh, species of dinosaur marine reptiles called Ichthosaurus. Better you than me. Yeah, better. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You guys have got a great hit rate on names today. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So... uh, that what made me think of this one is that we had been in Cooper River looking for fossils, and here they had one on the Kraken. So I, I didn't find any Kraken fossils. but No, uh, I looked. I, I was looking. <laughs> I was just glad we didn't run into a real Kraken, even though we did oh, run no, into Richard. Oh, no, that had have been times. cool. I, I still think that would have been cool. <laughs> yeah, and you wanted to jump in the river with an uh, alligator, too. Well, yeah, there is that. So that does it for the news. Now, you, you actually had uh, a news story in your backyard, Tara, of uh, you had a, a ship that's running aground? Yeah, we do. <clears throat> the, um, the MV Rena, which is a container ship, um, which is also carrying something like uh, 1,700 tons of oil, um, has run aground, well, ran aground on one of the reefs just in the in the Bay of Plenty. Now, she was doing 17 knots, which is a, a, a crazy speed. This reef has been on the charts for 100 years. It's actually visible um, from the surface, and she's managed to wedge herself um, onto the reef and effectively destroy it. Um, she's loaded with containers, So about 80 or 90 containers have fallen off the ship and are making their way towards the shore, towards the beaches. Um, But she's also leaked so far something like 350 to 400 tonnes of oil um, into our waters. So there's a big clean-up going on at the moment and it's front-page headline news for the entire every news broadcast it's it's pretty horrific um seals birds um those sorts of things have been found on the beaches covered in oil um but the new zealand maritime agencies are hopefully uh, are pretty keen <clears throat> to get all of the oil off it because she's breaking up um and we've got some pretty bad weather coming through down there as well yeah, they're, yeah. they're estimating uh, 10,000 tons of oily sand would be scooped up by the cleanup. Yep. So that yeah. is just a huge amount. Wow. Yeah, yeah I, it's pretty full on, actually. Yeah, and I understand that they're going to be pressing charges against both the captain and the first mate on this one. That's true. So the captain and the first mate have both already appeared in court. Um, there, There's lots of speculation about how this happened. Um, because it was 220, 2.20, 2.30 in the morning last Wednesday, um, and to be doing 17 knots, he was trying to get into into Tauranga Harbour, and if that was the case, he was way off course. Um, the ship had been involved in a near collision. <laughs> yeah, way off course. 
Um, he'd been involved in a, a, a near collision a few days earlier um, further down the coast with one of them having to take pretty evasive action and do almost a 360-degree turn. But um, lots of people from around New Zealand are waiting to find out what they can do. Um, my company that I work for has a volunteer um, charitable foundation program and we're putting together a team to go down uh, once the Maritime Agency lets us know when and, and what we can do. Um, but yes, they've charged the captain uh, and the first mate. But the other sad thing is that the rest of the crew have left New Zealand or um, have arrangements to, to leave New Zealand, apparently, because they are from the Philippines. New Zealanders are, are supposed to be targeting them and, and calling them bad names and telling them it was their fault and things like that. So they're rushing the crew away to, to get them to safety. But the real bummer is that at the end of, um, rather in the middle of November, we've got a dive conference, New Zealand's first dive conference in 20 years, which is down in Tauranga, and they smashed our reef. We were going to dive that reef in those caves. Um, so perhaps we could postpone the conference for two years and then we'll have a fantastic wreck to dive on instead. Oh. <laughs> so is that what they're going to do, drag it out and let it sink? Well, the thing is, so they've got to get the they've got to get the oil off as quickly as possible because where the reef is, um, it drops down pretty quickly to around eighty meters. What's that? Nearly two hundred feet. Mm -hmm. um, and it can only be fifty meters and above. Otherwise, the equipment is not able to get the oil off. So if it actually falls off the reef, it's just going to hit the deck and just leak oh. everywhere. Wow. So they're talking about um, positioning four tugboats around the stern of the container ship and going to try and drag her off. And I just imagine my reef crumbling. But um, yeah, that's our, our big news of the week. Oh, that is tragic. Pretty sad. Yeah, it is tragic. But also when you compare it to what happened in the Gulf of Mexico, I think it's only 10% of the oil that leaked into the Gulf. But still, New Zealand prides itself on its clean green image, and it's not so clean and not so green at the moment. Well, hopefully Mother Nature can repair herself a little bit with our help and get back. Now, you said caves there. Is mm. it, did they, is a cave, are they underwater caves? Yes, they are. Um, underwater caves within that reef area. Um, and by looking at the charts of where Rena is grounded, it looks like she's run her great big bulbous bow right into the middle of them. Oh, Wow. So yeah. now is she pretty much stationary or is she still bobbing around? Well, the winds have been up around the 35 to 45 um, knot range. The, the weather's been pretty bad down there at the moment. And the seas have also been up um, pretty big as well. So they've had three to four metre swells. She's flopping from side to side a wee bit. Uh, she moved about 10 degrees. And that link that I sent you guys with the article on it, you can see all the containers just leaning on their side. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah, That was a sad. huge container ship. Mm. That'd be awesome to dive. Yeah. Once if they, they drag the it off the up. reef. Yeah, well, yeah, get the oil up, drag it off the reef. Yeah. Take bulk cutters down, get a new pair of Nikes. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> <laughs> well, sadly, I mean, there's a couple of human interest pieces out of this as well, because sadly... A family who almost lost everything in the earthquakes that we had in Christchurch, 
last year and at the beginning of this year had planned to move to Australia. Everything that they own is in one of those containers, including photo albums, family heirlooms, that kind of thing. Um, there's a, a fully restored 60s Mustang in there, in, in one of those containers. Um, and one of the marine biologists who lives in Tauranga has tickets to this weekend's semi-final rugby game, and he can't go, so he's been trying to sell them. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it affects all different sorts of people in all different sorts of ways. Pretty sad. So, so this oh, is just know. a container ship going from New Zealand to Australia. I'm not a hundred percent sure what their original path was. Actually, I think they've come up from the bottom of the South Island because they came through Christchurch, and yeah, no, I don't know. Not too sure where they were off to, but we know where they're stuck. Oh, wow. very sad. Okay. We're just hoping that the oil doesn't travel too far um, because we've got marine reserves uh, a little bit further north from where this is, like where I'm going to this weekend. Although it's a good 400 kilometres away, let's hope the oil doesn't travel. Certainly. Hmm. So what did you guys find? Yeah, so we'll, we'll go uh, ahead and uh, get on the part of the show where we talk about last year's dive. Uh, what, what we did is uh, we had Mac... Uh, Dave, Rich Sinowick from Diver Sink. Uh, we had Bill, who was a diver I hadn't met before. Uh, we all went down to Cooper River in South Carolina and did some searching for fossils, mastodon teeth, and bones. So, uh, Dave, what did you find? Well, I, I would say probably my, my uh, favorite find is not my largest tooth. Uh, my largest tooth was about a three and quarter inch megalodon, but I've got some smaller ones in the area. Are much more intact and uh, are going to make some fine necklaces. I also found quite a few uh, bone fragments as they are from both Bill and Captain Tom, who are very knowledgeable in the fossils from the Cooper River. It was uh, awesome. I, I, I can't enough for the diver, Captain Tom. The the conditions were, were awesome. I don't think we could have better weather. The company was great. Looking forward to going back again. Certainly, that was that was a great dive, uh, and everybody got a variety. Uh, yeah, that the, really what we we're looking for those big giant teeth, uh, you know, six inches on the side, or I don't know what that'd be in metric, uh, but twenty centimeters maybe. That would have been nice. Yeah, pretty close. Well, what what impressed me were, were you guys were bringing back the bags of gravel to take home so that the kids could sift through and enjoy the dive. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm hoping to do this uh, weekend. My 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 recovery is still sitting in a uh, tub outside, soaking, waiting for uh, to get some daylight time with the kids this weekend, and we'll go clean everything up. Now, you had said that you used uh, vinegar to clean up your teeth. Yeah, I, I was doing some research, and I found uh, most people online were were saying that the way they were treating cleaning their teeth was to start with a soak in a, in a mild soap. I used uh, Simple Green. Very, very, very thin mix of Simple Green. Let them soak for about three hours. Uh, strangely enough, I used a toothbrush to clean the teeth. Real light, gentle scrub, and then I rinsed them very well. And then uh, I'm, I have not yet quite found why, but everybody is recommending you use apple cider vinegar to soak them in rather than white vinegar to really get those bars broke loose and whatnot. And after about an hour soak in uh, apple cider vinegar, pulled them out, used uh, dental picks, shocking, and toothbrush. And they really cleaned up well, and then, then I uh, put them in my deep sink with quite a bit of water, let them soak for about an hour or so, 
changed the water out two or three times, brought them out, let them dry, and uh, it's amazing the difference in how the teeth appear. Really brings out the colors, the uh, the different minerals that they were embedded in when they were going through the fossilization stage, impart different colors to the teeth, and it's it's amazing to see two almost identical teeth that have different coloration. And I've actually I've been doing a lot of research this week, and in a little bit of time I've had a lot of it on the phone with Google, and uh, in these fossils, and it's really uh, it's opened up a whole new realm for me. That's cool. Uh, what we'll do here is we'll play. A segment uh, we actually had uh, we recorded live. Uh, I drove. It's a it, for me. It was a thousand a thousand miles down, a thousand miles back for that trip. So uh, quite a bit of a drive. Uh, we went down that Thursday. That's uh, it's all blurring together. Thursday had a little bit of Friday's recover day. You started did, Thursday. <laughs> yep, yeah, I started Thursday, and then we. Uh, did four dives on Saturday, which is it's more than typical. That's what you you say you want the hardcore diver package, and that's four on Saturday and two on Sunday. So after doing four dives and getting something to eat, we recorded a live uh, a live recording, a re- roundtable with uh, Rich, Dave, Mac, and Bill. And so we'll play that. Welcome to Scuba Obsessed. Uh, this is Darren, and we also have Mac, and we have Rich. From Diver Sync. So we thought we'd, uh, after a few technical problems, we got everything working. This is, I think this is the first time we've had, well, this is, this is one of the, this is the first time we've all had a round table discussion around the table. Around the table, yeah. We've, we've done it on the air a few times. This is the first time. And it is actually from a dive site. Now, you did a, a Diver Sync podcast where uh, you were live from Bonaire. I did live from Bonaire and live from Unisync and live from, you know, then recorded from Scoop Scoop This Best. But this is it. We were in Charleston. Well, let's say the name right. We were in Goose Creek, South Carolina, staying at the lovely Econa Lodge. And today was a fantastic day. So let's let's go back and give everybody a little bit of history first. What was the what what got this trip started? We were talking. What was it? What was the, what was the discussion? We were having a discussion about river diving, and it was a roundtable on scuba obsessed. Yeah, so we we had yeah, I mean, we could even show. we could even go way back further than this because Darren and Jim interviewed me on um, about White Star Quarry, and I went, "This is kind of fun," and then I was like, "Boy, this is kind of easy. Maybe I can do this." And Diver Sync was born thanks to Darren and Jim. You can blame me later. Yeah, and then um, Jim had this great idea. Jim, who isn't with us today, had this great idea. He goes, "You know what? We got to do that trip." I got off air and we figured it out. We hashed out. We all figured out a date. We had instantaneously a full trip, which later dwindled to three, <laughs> which later picked back up to five, and that was it. And unfortunately, Jim's not here. And you know what, Jim? Tomorrow we're going to find a seven and a half inch tooth because you are not here. Exactly. But we have had we have sat through the last half hour of technical difficulties, which unfortunately makes us sit through how many three. Two, 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 and a water. We are drinking rum. That is the beverage of choice this evening. So Cap- Captain Morgan is happy. Yes. So Darren, we'll start with you. Yeah. What do you think of Cooper River? Well, like I always tend to do for any dive, I set my expectations so low that they can have nothing, nowhere from up from here. <laughs> so... Uh, from that standpoint, no, it was it was great. Is I had a blast. And anytime you're doing a new site and everybody hypes it up, you get kind of a little bit nervous, thinking that 
know, maybe there is something, you know, maybe the river diving that we do in Michigan is a little bit different than down here, which it is different, but, uh, you know, the skills carry over. So, uh, it was, you know, the one thing I was kind of concerned about was get to the bottom as, as quickly as I could. And that was fine, you know, because you, you had talked about in some of the other shows that you know, the, the water's moving and you're going in the column, and then you're getting on the bottom. And uh, that, that went real well. So uh, honestly, I was expecting the Viz to be a lot worse than it is. Uh, I would say it's fairly comparable, wouldn't you say, Matt, uh, yep. to, to uh, the St. Joe River? Uh, and then, you know, the, then the, the next bit of pressure was finding something. So at one point when I found that first tooth, I was actually ready to come up. Because it's like a, I, it's like you wanted to get it in the boat, so <laughs> you knew you had it. So, but I, I restrained myself and stayed down. But it's it's been great. Love it. Cool. So if I get this right, this is your first semi sort of saltwater dive. Yes, I've never dove in saltwater. I've snorkeled in saltwater before, but never did any scuba diving. So this is this is called when you ask if you ask Captain Tom if this is saltwater or freshwater, he'll say both. No, he'll say yes. That's what he said. And what happens is this is a freshwater river, but because of the way the tidal work works and that's what we had this morning where the tide came in it's saltier in the morning and then fresh in the afternoon and it's really i think an ecosystem that's just awesome because you can see catfish you can see bluegill you can see american eels and you can also see blue claw crabs you can we got crap beat out of us by shrimp today <laughs> they were pelting us in the head that's invasion a, of the shrimp and they're little cute little ghost shrimp and then there's flounders in there and there's little crabs and uh so what do you think don well, I'm, I'm just good, glad that we did not see any alligators. Alligators. Now, I know some people wanted to do it to pull them up. Dave thought an alligator got him. He was dying. I, I think there's a few people thought an alligator got him. Yeah, one of the uh, one of the sports in Cooper River is when you Cooper River has a dive buddy that says basically you're buddies because we're diving the Cooper River together today off the same boat. You very rarely see anybody. And so when you find somebody, if they're unaware that you're there, you need to make them aware you're there. And while staying away from the reach of the river. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mac was, if you grab my, my calf, you're going to get this in the forehead. <laughs> That's because I didn't have a fang stick with me. And if you were here, you can see that Rich still has an intact forehead. So yes. Yeah. The only person I scared the crap out of was Dave. And for you guys yes. that that uh, that are regular diver sink chat room people and probably scuba obsessed chat room people, um, Dave T O W Z is that what you are in on the chat room? Yes. Yeah, he is sitting here in front of us having uh, a cocktail, and this is your first. This dive. is my first big river dive. I've done creek streams, but uh, this is the first time I've dove a real river, and it is awesome. Well, I couldn't believe the, the visibility on that. We, so, so you guys have a background. We're doing it. We had an aggressive day. Um, we did two dives in the morning. Five o'clock in the morning, we get up. We got to be out of the. We got to be out of the hotel by five thirty. At the dock by six a.m. And you were telling me, my dive buddy was telling me that that he's like the only apprehensive part was it's dark. I can't see. We actually roll in the water at just before sunrise. And you wake up, you get up an hour after sunrise, and it's daytime. So you, underwater, it didn't change. Oh, it didn't. I, I mean, really, this should be called a night dive, even if you do it during the day. Well, except for that last dive. I mean, exactly. that last dive was the best visibility that I'd ever seen in the Cooper. Especially with the light. Yeah. If you have a good functioning light, you are very good. I mean, even at 30 feet, I can look around and I can see light up. 
We could actually the see other our buddies. Could not. Yeah. I mean, it was frightening how close you guys were. <laughs> I wonder how many times in the dark we had been that close yeah. and just didn't realize it. I mean, you can hear regulators. I mean, everybody you can get. hear the regulators. And once you figure out whose regulators who, you know where it's at. And if you get into a downstream path behind somebody, they're stirring it up a little bit. So you know you're in behind somebody. And that's where the sport comes in. You can sneak up behind somebody. You kind of make sure that you breathe really, really slow because you never want to hold your breath underwater, even when you're sneaking up on somebody. But you kind of crawl up the river a little bit until you see a blue fin and you grab it. And then you're gratified by this entire body jerk reaction. I don't eat me. <laughs> yes, the little girl was found. <laughs> There's the little girl. There's the little girl. Don't eat me. <laughs> At least you hope that survivor in front of you kicking up. So yeah, I don't know. I saw. Um, I mean, as far as this will be my, I gotta figure it out. My first dive in the Cooper River was '98. Did six then. I've averaged four for the last eight years. So this is probably my 15th or 16th, 20th dive in the Cooper. So that means you're jaded now. You have all the teeth you need, and you're gonna not no, do it anymore. So the, the rest of us have a chance. The elusive one is out there. And if I didn't pick it up, you guys would miss it anyway. So <laughs> I tell you, uh, we were on, we got on um, Osprey Ridge. You guys, if you've listened to my podcast, you've heard me talk about it. It's one of my favorite spots. But we found a great gravel pile on Osprey Ridge. Um, Bill, who's with us, who's, who's relatively silent, um, he uh, he stayed on the entire gravel pile the entire time and found the best of all of us. Dave and I were on the gravel pile. I kept bumping into him, and I just wanted to like, go away. This is my pile. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure he was thinking the same thing. <laughs> There's a few times when you come across somebody, and that's what it kind of looks like. They're they're blocking the pile with their river stick and their their light. <laughs> I've only done that once, where I actually picked up a tooth in front of them and worked together. Oh, <laughs> but that wasn't today. I that's be. why I figured we'd let. Him, I, I I figured let him be. It's his pile. He was here first. There's more sometimes. There's um there is a lot more. Um, as you guys have heard me talk about, uh, a shark, average shark modern shark sheds his entire mouth every three weeks. That's, that's Yeah, that's something like 215 teeth every three weeks for 20 million years. That is a crap load of teeth, and they're being eroded out of the banks. And that's why when you saw an Osprey Ridge, you saw the mud, and then there was sand, and then there was gravel. That's just that mud is being churned up to the <clears> gravel. I think this first place I've also seen mud balls like you have here. And mud canyons. Well, it kind of reminded me of the clay banks because they had the, you know, like if you got in near the shore, there was a little indentations. You know, I was I was in a trough on the second dive, kind of just moving along through the clay. I have wanted to take a big chunk of that clay and take it home and fire it to just see if it's going to do what I think it's going to do. Oh, it almost looks like slip. It almost handles just like that. Yeah. I was writing. I was writing my name inside of a couple. Of them, so if you come across them, that's it. Yeah, I was carving my name. Was that Marl? Yeah, I was doing the same thing. Yeah, this this marl bottom that we have. The dive briefing tends to be Captain Tom going, Captain. Okay, here's what you're gonna do. To the left, you got mud. To the middle, you got gravel. You want to stay in the gravel, and you want to go to the right. You get marl. Marl is a new word for most people. Is a new word for you? Yeah. Yeah, because marl is basically hard packed mud and you take this beautiful river tool that you've been using in the muck up in the yeah. up in the St. Joe's or up in the uh, Detroit River with us that you can dig in the mud and pull yourself up and dig in your mud and you put this you just swing this thing in and it goes tink tink 
and you can swear you hear it laughing at you. <laughs> All the shrimp are just going, ha, 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 you thought you were going to do something. And uh, who was it today that said they just put their tool down and you could just see you? Yeah. It was you. Put your tool down and you just a drag mark. There's just going to be yeah, a Yeah, there, there's, there's like a long drag mark. If you go across that river, you can see where I went skidding. That was a, the there's, third dive. Many of them. Yeah. yeah. I, my hair is out there, too. I kept looking back because I was following the drag line, so I'm thinking, oh, dear God, somebody's right behind me. I'm going to smack straight <laughs> in their mask. But there were so many different tracks. I'm, it's it's yeah. a pretty common event. Yeah, that that was a that was the only time I think I've had that river tool not work. So I, I've got some new design ideas for uh, next time I'm down here. That's pretty brisk out there. Today. Yeah, that was. Now was that a normal current for that third dive? Uh, a little bit stronger. A little bit stronger. Yeah, it was a little bit. That's a normal current for an afternoon dive out here. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the stronger current. It makes navigation easy. I don't like what yeah. we did on that last one or the second one. Where you just had it, you're kind of floating there, and you're going, okay, which direction have I covered? And I swear, you go down and you find a gravel pile, and you pick up a, I mean, you go, this is awesome, I found like 15, 16 deep, or fossils or whatever, you got a big couple big ones, and then you go back over it, and you swear that you didn't find anything the second time, you swear you're just staying in the same three-foot area, and you're just doing circles around the same three-foot area. I don't know if that's true or not. I'd love to have somebody with sonar that yeah. shows me exactly what I'm well, covering. Nice. But stationary sonar, so you can just sit there, dude, you just spent 30 minutes in the same square meter. Well, that's what I kind of <laughs> felt like, because really the first time, so we did the first one, that was kind of a learning, and I took your advice as anything that does not look like it's natural, pick up, you know, straight edges, you know, sharp features. Anything that looks cool, pick up. And I was thinking about my advice to you, by the way, while I was down there. And I'm like, no, I'm like, how can you say anything that's got a straight edge is not natural? Isn't a tooth natural? I'm like, well, okay. by nature. By nature it is. So I was like, that was pretty stupid, Rich. But I'm like, but that's how you do it. You look for gleams, you look for shiny stuff, you look for pretty, hey, cool, squirrel. But you have to look for something and, and occasionally grab something that's going to bite back, like a shrimp or Crabs. Yeah, that big catfish. A big catfish was pretty cool. Cool. I don't know. The thing that that completely got me. I, I this is my first October trip down there. I've done February, March, and April, and this is my first October trip down here. And I'm gonna tell you, the weather's great. I don't think the weather's like this normally. We're supposed to have an incredible thunderstorm. Do that. I didn't understand. Yeah, Matt, you're Matt talking about got, the items. Today. Yeah, this the is most you, significant. So, other than shape, form, is the distinctive noise. Almost sounds like glass. If you're hitting it with a piece of metal, it sounds just like tinkling glass. Very distinctive. So when you are raking it out in front of it and you hear that, uh, it up. go back and yeah. look and see what, what you do touch with that piece of metal. And it and it's one of those things. You find a lot of Indian love stones. <laughs> and the Indian love stones are effing rocks. And you find, um, actually, Mac was throwing away two of them, and I like them. They're going to go in my fish tank. So he gave me those. And then... Um, I don't know. Occasionally, you find something man-made. I came across a big piece of metal. I don't know you, your your description of your oh, mastodon femur that you left down there. <laughs> well, tree anyway. I swear it was a five-foot log, and I thought it was a tree. Now you guys are making me feel bad. There's probably tink, an element tink, down tink, there or tink, something. Tink. Yeah, I think. Yeah, you know what was? Down. You know what it was? It was that F and saber-toothed tiger, tiger skull. Which oh, was yes. That <laughs> there it is. Yes. Yeah. Well, I did find some non. I mean, definitely not natural. I found a, a jelly jar. One beer bottle. Oh, you found a beer yeah, bottle? Yeah, nickel. Oh, okay. So beer bottle. Yeah. Well, then you had a, a, a hook? 
Oh, yeah. They I should. didn't realize I had it because I scooped some gravel and stuff. Well, I was thinking about the goodie bag. It's like, man, how does that fruit water? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good it's amazing what you can find in your pile of stuff. Yeah. yeah. You, I, I felt like I really wasn't covering that much space. I mean, there's, when we had that current, I thought I was four miles down the river and, you know, I'd be waiting the bag for a while. That was amazingly fast. That was so, that was St. Clair River fast. Yeah. Yeah. That was a uh, hang on for dear life fast. And you just, you swing, you swing your tool and you dig in it, you're leaning on it, trying to stop just to search your thing, and it's just laughing at you all your time. Well, I think you see a tooth in front of you, you reach for it, and you drift. There's a couple times I've got to kick as hard as I could because it's like, I don't want to let that thing that looks like a tooth go. Yeah, and the, uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I went through air on that dive way, way. Yeah, I, I came, I came up at, uh, at actually about 50, just a little over 50 minutes. Well, and that was because I was low on air. Well, the problem with diving with doubles like I do is the fact that you can't overstay your time. And I got a short dive on the last one because, and that was really a bummer because I found our, the mother load of gravel. You want to find the gravel piles. If you find the gravel piles, gravel piles are all fossils. Fossils have teeth. And that is our lovely hotel room you hear in the background. I am sure that it's on audio. There's a huge train that goes by here about once every year. Yeah. Welcome to Charles. Well, Goose Creek anyway. Goose Creek Corner. Is it showing up on? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's That's awesome. It's awesome. You get used to it, really. Yeah, especially at one o'clock, two o'clock, well, after three o'clock. After a, well, yeah. how many hour drive? Just put earplugs in. Six, 16. Yeah, we're all drinking earplugs. Captain yeah, Morgan's earplugs. But um, go on to the Facebook pages in the next couple days, and uh, you will see Darren's stash, my stash. Who else put their stuff out? Bill's stash. We yeah. have pictures. Yeah. We've got pictures of this stuff. Yeah, we'll, we'll, I have pictures of everybody's guys. Yeah, we'll get something posted on, on yeah, the site. Yeah, there's some good treasures. And, also and you know what? You tomorrow, tomorrow we'll have a group picture. Yeah. All of us with our 8-inch teeth that we're going to find tomorrow. All smiley. Huh? All smiley. All smiley. Yeah, I don't know. Five-foot-long petrified log would be cool. I don't know. I, I did that one time about two years ago. I left something that didn't quite fit in my bag because it could have been a rock, and I thought later it was probably a bone. But it was three feet long and about four inches in diameter, and it's, yeah, there's never anything. I mean, I, on that last dive, every big rock I flipped over at least four times just to make sure it was nothing. <laughs> and there was a couple times where I was like, well, how could I strap my lift bag to this just to get it up there? So there's nothing cooler than Captain Tom going, what did you find that you need a lift bag for? <laughs> and then Bill was picking up piles of gravel. That is just awesome. Now, now how is this different than your normal charter? I mean, normally you've got your, your schedule and you've yeah. got, you know, people who haven't probably even done river dives before. This is, um, it's a little bit different in that I don't have to, I haven't had to hold your guy's hand. I'll take people that come on this trip and I'll basically take them down and hold their hand until they're comfortable and then get them until they find their first tooth and then they're on their own. But the, we're a little bit more structured. There's less drinking involved. <laughs> um, but as far as the trip, it's really similar. Um, I just handle everything and uh, pay for everything and take care of everything. And we have, and I shoot a video and t-shirts and all that stuff. So it's, it's a, it, this is, this is real close to what we would normally do. We don't do this aggressive of a schedule though. Um, 
uh, four dives in one four. We've all had four hours of underwater time today. We'll get four hours of sleep, and four hours of underwater, yeah, four hours of underwater, or two hours of underwater time tomorrow on a 15-hour drive home. You know, mentioned the, surface time on yeah, the boat. Yeah, and the surface time on the boat and the surface time at Sonic today, that was a good idea for lunch. Shout out to Bill for that. And then, uh, yeah, there's, uh, as far as normal stuff too, what we always do is have an afternoon activity, which we didn't do today. Our afternoon activity was two more dives. That, 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 that seems to work. Yeah, <laughs> it does. I did do that one time. There was, uh, Captain Tom had one <laughs> spot left on the boat and everybody went with me. Or everybody wanted to go back and take a nap. So I went and did the afternoon dive, skipped my nap, mm-hmm. came back with a handful of tea. And uh, then we went to dinner. That was cool. The only thing I thought was funny out here at both those landings, there's no porties out. Or trash cans. Yeah, because it's like I would have stayed there, just relaxed, used the facilities, and ate a sandwich as opposed to, you know, using yeah. one-third of my time back and forth and one-third rushing to get food, use the john, come back. I just stayed there and ate. And so anybody have any idea why they're not? Well, why budget cuts? That's it. It's it, is out, it is out in the boonies. There's nothing, no gas station you could use or any of that. And you're the yeah, there's some. Um, yeah, we were driving in, in like 18 inches of water today. That low, that's why we had to switch landings. Is because that low tide or descending tide, there's not enough water for that boat fully loaded. And it's not a big boat. No, no that was a nice boat. Yeah, Captain Tom is an excellent boat. Yeah, shout out to Captain Tom if you want to learn a little bit more about using him. It's cooperriver.com, C-O-O-P-E-R-R-I-V-E-R.com. Tell him that Rich and Darren, um, he'll know he'll know me. He, he'll, yeah, I have no he'll idea. Know, he'll know who Darren is after tomorrow because <clears throat> Darren's going to find something cool and be forever immortalized on his webpage. Um, if you get, uh, if you want to Facebook, um, I have tagged my profile pictures, the tooth I found today. Um, if you're listening to me on Facebook, um, and I'll probably leave that up for, gotta remember we're not live. Yeah, it's, it's like just, we're, it's just like, the uh, chat room's wait, awful quiet yeah, this week. The chat room's really quiet. <laughs> we're not live. Nice, we got a chat room here. But, yeah. But that's, uh, this is more fun. But, um, as far as if you want to do this trip, uh, send me an email. Uh, the show at diversync.com or send Darren an email to show at scubaobsessed.com. Say, I would love to join you. I want to know about Cooper River. We have six spots we can take. Three of them are already taken. <laughs> so, um, see what happens. Probably five of them Bill, Bill always goes. <laughs> <laughs> so really we're offering for, there'll be one open spot. Yeah. <laughs> I was chewing on that because when I do it at, 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 at Divers Incorporated, the dive shop, when we do it, I do two weekends back to back and I take my only family vacation in between it. Next 2012, we have spots open on Easter, Easter weekend and the following weekend. And, uh, so there's 10 spots available. Four of them, five of them have been taken. But that's in April, um, and, and today I've been chewing on why do I do April versus October. April, the reason we picked April was because all the flowers are in bloom at all the plantations. So if non-divers come down here, all the wives and significant others get to go get really good pictures and the beautiful plantations with pretty flowers and all that. I did that one year, it made me feel pretty, but that was about it. Well, we could also have a hurricane too. Yeah, and out here in October, yeah, it's rough. And this is a, a good time of the year. Um, October seems to be really warmer water. The visibility is the best I've ever seen. 
And so I'm going to chalk that up for this time. Of yeah, year. visibility. And, uh, and then I, I imagine that downtown, had we gone during a peak tourist time, would be a little bit different than what yeah, we saw. I mean, it was busy, but it was you could move around. Yeah, that, that, that lot has an overflow lot, and I've mm-hmm. seen both fall. Yeah. So plenty of stuff for the non-divers to be able to do here. Yeah, this is probably the best trip in the world for non-divers because there's so much shopping. It's American money. Transportation's relatively easy. And there is something for everybody in Charleston. Cool. Well, anybody got anything else to add? Any last calls? So who had the biggest tooth so far? <laughs> I don't know. So it always goes back to who's, who's the biggest, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't know. Size doesn't count. Huh? Mine's three. I got I got a three inch one, and I think everybody's tied there between two and a half and three inch. Mm-hmm. I think somebody's got one that's three inches and thirty one thirty seconds. Yeah, is that what your hair shy? Hair shy of four inches. So Bill's winning. I was gonna put a piece of tape on the inside of the caliper yeah. just to bump it, just that hair <laughs> yeah. four. So Bill's got the biggest. I got the biggest vertebrae though. Yeah, the coolest vertebrae. There's some, yeah, the, the the most unique things that I've seen. The the, the the cocktail glass was cool. The uh, that was really cool. There was something else someone had. What was it? Vertebrae is cool. But there's some really neat stuff out here because you can find. Uh, well, and then have they have somebody who actually knows what they are, because there's some of them. I know they're fossils, but I have no idea what they are. And then, like one Captain Tom's going, "That's ivory," because he can tell by how it's sharding off, you know, the the kind of geometric pattern to it. Yeah. Or that's a turtle shell. Not right. Blue. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell. Or the, the ear, inner part of the ear. Yeah, because what it's animal was I, that was a whale. Oh no, I learned that from going to the fossil museum because there is a kind of ear bone and that's for more carnivores. When I saw it, I said, oh, I have one of them. Didn't know what it was. There's a lot of library books out there that have really good descriptions. I've got a book at, at the dive shop that's all, it's got a saber-toothed tiger skull right on the front. With the, that's probably attached to the thing that Mac left. No? Yeah, <laughs> there is. Or it was underneath. Yeah. Well, you know that you know where to go next time you're out there. Oh, it's not tomorrow. Let's see what happens. So, so everything we've got so so far is going to be small compared to what we get tomorrow. Yep. Tomorrow we're going to be the giant one. The big one. Yep. Tomorrow we will feel like men. Any idea where we're going? I would venture to say that we're going to probably do marker 109 because I'm going to ask him to do that. That was a really good spot two years ago and last year. And then uh, I wouldn't mind going back to the ridge. Uh, the typical depth we were at today was like 40 feet. Yeah, that's typical. Yeah. Is this the yeah. same? Yeah, it doesn't get deeper than 50 feet out yeah, here. Yeah, because when, when Jim and I originally were planning this, it was kind of like, oh, we're going to, we want to make sure we can get a full hour. Right. And, uh, at, you know, if, if you got good breathing habits, you'll be able to make an hour. Well, I'm going to tell you that, that, that there's a big thing. I'm going to throw this out there, too, because it's something worth mentioning. There's Captain Tom really does take a lot of the guesswork out of it. He does put you in an area that is known to have teeth. And when you look at that, you just say, you, you kind of can look at it and say, well, geez, he just picked a random spot, right? And he's going to talk to you about because it's always the same briefing. It's like it's like the, when you go on the tropical, okay, when this dive, you're going to see isolated coral reefs, beautiful tropicals, and lots and lots of fish. And it's the same thing over and over again. Well, Captain Tom's this, the left, you're going to get mud, the right, you're going to get marl, in between you got gravel. Or like on that last one, you're going to have gravel here, and if you can grab gravel here, and if you don't like the spot, you are move. Yeah, I like that one. <laughs> but, the, uh, but, but I'll tell you, buddies of mine came out here on their own boat, 
figuring they would do better than Captain Tom. And he picks the tides right, he picks the currents right, he picks everything right, sights by what it is. But these guys, they're really good. They go with Captain Tom for two years, and then they decide to come down here on their own boat. And let me just say, did you get when I asked them about the diving, they said, Oh yeah, we got a really good dive and didn't find much, but we did find fifty feet. And we found that there's an area where there's where that fifty foot is, it's a whirlpool. And I said, Really? He says, Yeah, and we named it. And I said, what's the name of the dive site? The Devil's Colon. <laughs> and he said, you just had to BCD your way out of it because it just kind of spiraled you down and all you had was mud balls in the bottom. Oh. And probably quite the mud balls based on the ones we were seeing. Yeah. But, but, but you could see even like if you ventured off a gravel patch. I mean, you, you had to know where they were. And that just comes from experience where he knows where the, the foot was. Excellent. Yep. Excellent. Excellent. And the Snickers bar is appreciated. Yeah. That's uh, Captain nice Tom's signature thing is he throws you a frozen Snickers bar when it's all done. And that is just perfect. It is. It's cool. Get that blood sugar back up. Well, that's his way of saying nuts to you. Yeah. <laughs> nice. We done? Yeah, I think we're done. So uh, uh, thank everybody for listening. And uh, you're going to have to go next time. Yep. The word is calling. That was great. It was nice to have everybody there with doing a little experimenting, doing some live recording. I think that's a, the second time I've done a live recording, and we've edited that into the show. I think it worked out well. Yeah, we'll have to when do not. more. So so that'll be one of the things. Anytime you go diving with Scuba Obsessed and you have to bug Rich, if you go diving with him, you want to you want to have it recorded as well. It worked well, especially when you did, the, uh, you did some uh, QC work on it that made a difference compared to what, uh, what Rich was playing. There's definitely better audio. A little better audio. Yeah, on, on my end, it sounded a little muffled, but uh, by the time you hear this recorded live, you'll you'll have a hard time telling. Other than the room was a little bit echoey. Uh, microphone yeah. picks up everything, but uh, that was excellent. And at that point, we'd only done the four dives. We had two dives uh, the next day, which we were all excited for, full of hope, which were dashed by... I don't say they were dashed, but the first dive... Uh, Let's see what what did we do the first one right away. That was that that was back in the. Uh, we went to the barges. Barges again. So the barges was the first dive. So on the on the first day, the first dive was barges. The second dive was I, I don't know what they call it. Uh, I think Max got the name. So hopefully the Mud Club will have a list of all the sites. Uh, so the, the the barges and and what the barges are is literally that there's an area of the Cooper River where they've uh, tied up barges. Uh, they're sitting out there floating. So I imagine whenever they need a barge. They grab one there and, and use it and then dock it back there. And uh, that's one of the secrets, I guess. I'm Hopefully I'm not telling anybody's super secrets, but <laughs> it's all the tugboat action from pushing those barges, or barges around that, that churn up the fossils that we're looking for. And that was the first yeah, dive. I think that, that, that was actually the biggest gravel field I think we ever touched. Yeah, yeah, that was huge. I mean, I never I got never off the gravel. End. Yeah, I never yeah, got exactly. off that. And so that was that was a nice nice one, and that to me was classic ri- river diving as well. Uh, the river diving I'm used to is just a touch faster than what you can really control. That to me is river diving. When you put your river tool in the bottom and you're still being pulled by the current when it gusts, that's a river dive, and that's what we had in that beginning. And it was nice because it was a good starting spot. You kind of got that sensation of what to look for in those fossils basically looking yeah. for i mean the, the easy ones were if it was a full tooth 
but anything that just did not look like a normal stone. And really, from what I understand, is all those stones in that gravel bed are all fossils. Right. It's just a matter of, of whether you want to keep them or not. I, I, my rule was I was picking up anything big, anything unusual, or anything looked like a tooth that was going in the bag. And that first dive was nice because it took me the, the, the five or ten minutes into the dive was just me getting all my gear positioned. You know, what hand was I holding my light in? Where's my river tool? And for an experienced river diver, I thought it would have gone a little bit quicker. But I was, I just had ropes and things all over the place. But once I got the, the, the hand of it, hang, hang of it, everything went well. So that first dive was, uh, was great. Then the next one was a little bit different spot. Uh, I, I pretty much just found a clay canyon and I went in it. And one side was clay and the other side I had a few dirt uh, piles. Uh, I think what that was is erosion, which is kind of what you want. That's what's uh, eroding the new fossils. Mm-hmm. The third one is where we ran into that hard pack or that marrow that Rich had talked about. In and the, the ripping current. And ripping current. And that one was, uh, that's beyond a classic. That was super. And as you heard Rich say in the recording, was that was not normal for that spot. And actually, based on our conditions, uh, Captain Tom was going to adjust a little bit of his uh, routine, you know, and, and all the experience he has, you know, nothing's guaranteed, which is why we did six dives. So you want to have that, but, uh, that was still fun. But then yeah. you look, look at what we ran into. There was, uh, all of us kind of were off in the middle, just whizzing on down, but then Bill landed right in the gravel. And I don't, I had a feeling he really wasn't in all that much current. He, he just, no, well, what Bill did is he kind of hunched his backside up to mm-hmm. help hold him down, and he stayed on the first gravel bed where we all kind of congregated. I think that was the first time we'd ever actually seen each other in the dives, and Bill just stayed there. We him, and he said, eh, it's mine. Yeah, well, that, that, and that's a and, classic. And he uh, had quite the haul. Yeah, and that's a classic maneuver. If you, uh, you can go on some of the online sites and look up river diving, they'll show you that position, and that does help. I've got a few different positions that i've come up with that will help the current will actually when you're in that position it will push you down to the bottom but uh you know there's a couple of them where i actually let the current take me a little bit so i could go and get to some spots but uh it was it was ripping and then you actually got out into some cable didn't you yes i ended up uh tangled up in some cable uh my fins speared some cable uh the power lines that were running over top of us were actually damaged and dropped during hurricane hugo back in 89 and they never recovered the scrap so it's all still down there and uh it was kind of a freaky minute um of course luckily i uh i avoided my thirds to just start kicking like hell and jumping around and i stopped thought about it checked my air i think i had 2700 at the time i thought to myself plenty of time of course, I couldn't really see much. I was just kind of feeling my way about what was around, and I just basically I had cable stuck around my fins. So I worked through it and uh, kind of kicked off to the right towards the center of the river and uh, let the current kind of help pull me out. And it, it ended up working well, and I didn't freak out, and I, I think that uh, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then one of the rules on the river dive is Captain Tom says when you get in the water, it's an hour. So you want to make sure that you actually have a little bit more than an hour's worth of air if you're breathing. Now, that dive, I actually came up a touch early uh, just to make sure I had enough safety because fighting the current, I burned on an 80. And the depth is was averaging about 40 to 42 feet in many of the spots we did. Yeah, that's, that's what I showed. Uh, and so well, I on an 80. I burned a lot of air on that dive. Yeah. Ooh. On an 80, I was coming up with 800 to 1,000 after an hour. 
But uh, on that one, I had to come up again early. I think I came up about 55 minutes, and then I had like 550 because uh, I was burning. Well, you know. that dive, I ended up uh, – I came up, and I think the sides were collapsed on my tank. <laughs> and I came up at 50 minutes, but I had uh, – between the current, running into the cable, uh, getting stuck in a clay trough, and that's the dive that I ran into the ginormous catfish. Yeah. So yeah. I had a few things in there. Uh, pumped me up so i think that contributed to consuming a lot of a lot of air yeah and then uh, the fourth dive i'm trying to remember what that one was uh the fourth dive was when we went over to the straits we were we were trying to figure out what the name of it was we were calling it the the cliffs i think tom called it uh two sticks uh-huh i think is what he called the, the dive site that's the one where the uh there was another boat off doing an open water class uh-huh. over by some some cliffs yeah i i can kind of remember i mean i i found a little bit on that and that's where i actually found uh I call it a jelly jar. So uh, that and some broken glass, which is amazing where you're that far out. I mean, you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere and they come across uh, items like that. Uh, so that was the first yeah, four that, dives. So we did those four dives and then we recorded that episode later that night. And so we're all excited, expecting to have some great dives, which the, the next day we had a good dive. We went back to the gravel pile. I didn't find as much that second day as I did the first day, but that was still one of my favorite spots. Yeah, the second day when we did that first dive in the barges area, I felt a whole lot more comfortable because, you know, first day that, that was my first dive in that environment, and you had that anticipation of, I better find at least one tooth on this dive. And on the second day, drop down, I felt so much more comfortable, and uh, I found a few good teeth, but not what I was expecting to find. I thought that I had a handle on it, and I knew what they looked like, but still an awesome dive. Exactly. That was, that was pretty much what... What I was thinking. And then our very last dive, dive number six, uh, we actually tried one spot. Uh, Captain, uh, it was a spot that Rich had requested. So Captain Tom said, well, Rich, why don't you go down there? And, and Rich was diving with doubles. So he went down and he said, don't stay down any more than five minutes. And he, he pretty much said the same thing at every spot. You know, face upstream, gravels to your left. <laughs> so I'm not sure if yep, gravel yep. really every always spot. was to your left or if that was just his uh his his routine but uh rich came back up and said nah this is is real bad i couldn't see anything so he went up to another site and then we all went in and uh this was one of those this is one of those where this is about the worst viz you can have in a dive i mean this is up in in the top five of of worst viz i mean I've, i've actually had worse but worse was there was, I mean, you couldn't see anything. This, if you shine the light in your face, you could see it. If you charged up your reflective, let's say you had a reflective dive watch, you could see it. But that was it. Uh, Rich was talking about one point where he put the light to his face. Oh, light's on. Pointed away, light's off. And I was thinking that my dive light was actually going, even on the on the first dive of that day, uh, and actually my dive light did end up diving. I went to the backup light. So at that point, and I'm thinking, Mac, you know, he's a hardcore river diver. He dives in Pawpaw Lake, uh, you know, where, <laughs> where Viz is not there. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to be, you know, the, the guy who comes up in a dive. And after about 20 minutes of my main light died, I'm like, okay, that's it. So I came up. And by that time, everybody else had already come up once, so I didn't feel bad. And I could hear the boat moving around, too, which just kind of encouraged me to, you know, that's coming, picking people up. So maybe there's something I need to check out. You know, maybe mm-hmm. he wants to recall everybody and hit enough spot. So we got up, and he, he tried a couple different spots. And uh, after about another five or ten minutes underwater, I pretty much called it saying, you know what, 
you know, this is other than burning air and enjoying being in the water. I really wasn't making much progress. Uh, I did pull you know, up that, some fossils just by Braille, but that dive is actually where I found my best tooth, oh, my that's... my coolest looking tooth, yeah. and that's actually the only dive that I was the last one on the boat. <laughs> True, but uh, yeah, there's a, there's a few few fossils I found just by feel. That's uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, you know, go with the force, Luke. Uh, just sometimes using your hands. Yeah, the way I've the way I've defined that dive, the way I've defined the visibility on that dive, it was like diving in. Chocolate milk in a blender. Yeah, because it had kind of a flock. And what we think was going on, because even Captain Tom was real surprised that we had that bad of visibility, but it was, it was the visibility had clumps in it. Yep, and yeah. so you had the current going out, and then the wind was blowing from the opposite direction. So you could be floating in the water and the current taking you down while the wind is blowing the boat up. So there's a few times where Captain Tom, I noticed, had to position a, uh, it a little bit. Uh, different than he would have normally to to catch the divers and and again cap as you had said captain tom was just an amazing captain uh one of the best i mean not that i've dove a lot of boats but you know i i can tell from we have club members with boats and all our club members are good but you know he has exceptional skill being a professional dive captain i would highly recommend him again you know one of one of the things that i was most impressed with was sunday morning we had left the majority of our equipment on the boat Saturday night because he takes it back to his house. It's secure. And we left a set of empty tanks, two tanks per, on the boat. And Sunday morning, they were on the boat filled. That yep. was awesome. Yep. Yeah, and then, Not and having I, to worry about loading stuff. Yep. And, uh, you know, they had uh, Nitrox banked. So if you're a Nitrox diver, uh, that's what he was able to get you. And uh, it, just a great Great time diving, uh, wonderful weather. I mean, that time of year, you could easily be in hurricanes. So when Rich ordered the weather for this weekend, he, he did a good job and got that he order did well. in. Did and well. I, I will say, Captain Tom's frozen Snickers at the end of the dive, that hits the spot. Oh, yeah. You've you, you burned up so much energy. Uh, Incredible. So, yeah. And he's got, uh, I would call it a little 21-foot aluminum boat. and Probably probably about 21. Yeah. But that's, you know, and I dove 21-foot boats, and you're thinking... You know, a captain and six divers, full gear. You can't do that. And that boat is wide. It's open. It's I call it a Boston Whaler type of setup with a center console. It is. I, I mean, you're you're not going to be doing dancing between the divers, but there's plenty of room for you to gear up, get your gear set. You're not tripping over everybody. And then the ladder. He has a really nice ladder in the back that for coming up. So uh, just just an excellent dive. I highly recommend it. I will definitely be going back. Oh, okay. Well, you got any dives planned this coming up week, Dave? Well, I did, but uh, I just got a message. It's, uh, you know, those things come in threes. Um, I did have, have uh, some plans for this weekend to go to Gilboa. There's a, a group that's uh, pretty prominent on one of the uh, scuba message boards that was getting together. Uh, they get together about twice a year, and I was going to go out there and actually get to meet some of these people that I've talked to, plus, excuse me, some of the people that I've already met. And dove um, out of Gaboa, but it looks like uh, I'll probably end up dry this week. But I will be uh, will be in the water next week doing some exploration in a uh, dark, nasty quarry. There you go. And this weekend, I don't think I'll be getting in the water. I, I've said that before and made a way, found a way to get in, but I've got to do some traveling for work uh, that will start at some point this weekend. So spend a little time with the family and then get back in the water. And then, uh, of course, we I expect to have Mac and probably Claire on again next week. Again, uh, Tara had to jump off while we were 
playing the recording. So thank for Tara. I did it. She's going to laugh. Tara. 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 Uh, so, uh, so Tara Sutherland. And uh, if you want to visit her website, it's uh, Dive Mistress. And uh, she had an excellent uh, blog article this week on underwater photography. So if you're into underwater photography, you need to catch out her blog posts as well. So we're to that time of the show. Are you ready? Oh, no. Dear God. Hang on. Let me take a drink. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's always now good I'm to ready. take a drink for anything, but uh, especially for this. I am ready. You're ready. So here we go. A retired, world-famous diver was the keynote speaker at a scuba conference. He was in such a hurry to get to the hotel that when he arrived and sat down at the head table, he suddenly realized he'd forgotten to get his false teeth. Turning to the man next to him, he said, I forgot my teeth. The man said, no problem. With that, he reached into his pocket and pulled out a pair of false teeth. Try these, he said. The speaker tried them. Too loose. The man said, hey, no problems. I have another. Try these. The speaker tried them and responded, ah, too tight. The man then not taken back at all, he said, well, I have one more pair. Try these. The speaker said, they fit perfectly. With that, he ate his meal, and then he gave his uh, keynote address. After the meeting was over, the speaker went over to the man who had helped him. I want to thank you very much for coming to my aid. Where is your office? I've been looking for a good dentist. The man replied, I'm not a dentist. I'm the local undertaker. I, I figured with uh, Megalodon, yeah, that's good. This one, that this one fit in. That's so, awesome. So, <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> so until next week, go out there and get wet. Sound of silence? Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah, this one we got to be fairly and close. to you, Mrs. Robinson. So we'll edit that in. Go ahead. I know my normal routine, so. And I usually don't have a live audience. I'm in my basement. We don't have to do normal routine because we're going to just listen you know, to You know what it is? Editing. I normally do my podcast naked, so. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's one of those things. Oh, yeah, the, but it's so... That looks like a penis, only smaller. <laughs> <laughs> There's our new commercial. <laughs>